Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, the focus is Sauvignon Blanc, a grape variety which we in the wine industry have a tendency to dismiss as being a bit too obvious and a bit too upfront, and I have to confess, I have been guilty of that dismissal myself. But it is a much more interesting and diverse grape variety than I think it's given credit for. Of course, many people, many consumers, associate it with New Zealand and the pungent, grassy style of wine, which is imitated by producers across the world. But there's a lot more to Sauvignon Blanc than that. Soils and winemaking, use of yeasts, the way that the grapes are manipulated, the soils on which they're grown, the climate, all contribute to different styles of Sauvignon Blanc, whether it's the pungent style from New Zealand, or the more subtle, lean style from Loire Valley, or the richer style from Bordeaux, or whether it's blended with Semillon in Bordeaux and, and other New World regions, and also whether it might be made into a sweet wine as well, as in Sauterne. So lots of different aspects to Sauvignon Blanc which we'll explore in this episode. So where does Sauvignon Blanc come from? Well, it probably comes from the Loire Valley which is the French region it's most strongly associated with. In fact, um, in the last episode, we talked about Chenin Blanc, which is also strongly associated with the Loire Valley, and Sauvignon Blanc is probably a sibling of Chenin Blanc. And as I mentioned in that episode, the local writer Rabelais mentions not only Chenin Blanc in his great book Gargantua, but also Sauvignon Blanc, although he calls it by the synonym Fier, which comes from the Latin ferus, which means wild. And the speculation is that Sauvignon comes from the French word sauvage, which also means wild. And that's because Sauvignon Blanc is a high vigor grape, which is hard to control. Sauvignon Blanc is also an offspring of Sauvignon, a grape variety that you only really find in Jura these days, but a very important one in terms of quality, but also in terms of its genetic uh, profile and influence on other grape varieties. And maybe there's an association between Sauvignon and Sauvignon not just in genetic terms, but in naming terms. Sauvignon Blanc is also important, of course, because it's one of the parents of Cabernet Sauvignon, the other being Cabernet Franc, hence the name Cabernet Sauvignon. And it's no surprise that, as Sauvignon Blanc is quite herbaceous, that that Cabernet Sauvignon can also have that herbaceous quality to it too, a direct uh, result of that relationship. So Sauvignon Blanc, a high-vigor grape, as I mentioned, hence the name, which needs to be um, contained. And so having the grape variety planted on difficult soils, which which are low fertile, is extremely important, otherwise the canopy can get out of control. Sauvignon Blanc is also a grape variety which is subject to botrytis, which obviously can be a good thing um, if it's noble rot, and when the botrytis happens when the grapes are fully ripe and healthy at the end of the harvest. But it could be a bad thing if it happens in a rainy season uh, during the harvest. And uh, subject to botrytis because the berries are small and compact, and which can just develop the rot. So Sauvignon Blanc does have some issues in the vineyard, despite its global popularity. It does need to be um, looked after in the vineyard to make sure that the vigour isn't, isn't too high, and that botrytis or mildew um, do not occur in more humid conditions, which might happen in the Loire. But that would explain why in the Loire Valley it is planted in the cool continental climate of uh, Sancerre and Puy-Fumé, rather than near the Atlantic Ocean, where that rot could get out of control. 
So what is the style and profile of Sauvignon Blanc? Well, what it's famous for is those really grassy, herbaceous, tomato leaf, asparagus aromas, which in New Zealand can be extremely pungent, but still quite apparent in a cooler region like Loire Valley. High acid, use of oak is occasional, more so in Bordeaux when it's blended with Semillon, but it's more about the freshness and the acid and maybe the mineral texture of the wine rather than overt winemaking. But nevertheless, winemaking is very important to the style of Sauvignon Blanc, even if it's not as apparent as in Chardonnay. And this is because the those herbaceous, grassy aromas come from theols, which are in the skins of the grape variety, and which are relatively neutral before winemaking, so you don't really taste them in, when uh, pressing the grapes or tasting the grapes, but which can become very apparent after fermentation when the wine is finished. And there's been a lot of research uh, carried out on why Sauvignon Blanc is so grassy and herbaceous and, and so unique. No other grape variety tastes quite like Sauvignon Blanc. And it is because mainly because of the presence of these theol in the skins of the grape. And this has really been learnt by um, New Zealand. Because in New Zealand, grape varieties were often uh, picked and then trucked to the winery or the custom crush facility. So in the early days of New Zealand winemaking in the 70s and 80s, many producers didn't actually have a winery, and that's still the case now. It's all custom crush. And so there's not a direct connection between the vineyard and the winery. And so trucking those grapes for several hours would lead to a greater amount of skin contact than is usually the case. And this is one of the reasons theols develop, because they're in the skin, so that greater period of skin contact allows them to develop a little bit more. And so there are some producers in the Loire Valley who, who encourage skin contact to get that grassy, herbaceous nature, and there are others in the Loire Valley who absolutely discourage it because they feel it interferes with the nature of the grape variety, that it's a bit too artificial and forced. The other reason in New Zealand that the really pungent style developed, which we associate with Sauvignon Blanc, is because the grapes are all machine harvested. The vineyards being planted on flat land and New Zealand having a very modern approach to winemaking. And the, that machine harvesting uh, creates wounds in the grapes. That's why many producers don't like machine harvesting, because it damages the grapes. But when those grapes are damaged, enzymes are formed to um, heal the wounds, and they also encourage the development of these theols. And then in the winery, again, many New Zealand winemakers, quite modern, contemporary, will use cultured yeast rather than native yeast. So it makes sure the fermentation happens and it happens nice and quickly, rather than indigenous yeast where the fermentation may be more problematic and happen more slowly. And so different yeasts have been developed which encourage the um, extraction of these theols. The level of these theols also drives the style of the wine. So there are three really important ones. There's 3MH, which produces the grapefruit and passion fruit aromas associated with Sauvignon Blanc. And just to give you an idea, talking about New Zealand, the human perception level of uh, 3MH and these grapefruit passion fruit aromas is 60 nanograms per litre. In New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, there could be 100 nanograms per litre of 3MH, or there could actually be 20,000. So you're really, really going to notice those aromas. 3MHA is more the passion fruit, so it's a bit more tropical. Human perception level here is just 4 na nanograms per litre, so everyone's going to notice that. And in New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, it would be anywhere between 5 and 2,500 nanograms per litre. And then there's another one called 4MMP, which is where you get the cat's pea and gooseberry aromas strongly associated with Sauvignon Blanc. Human perception level here 
is uh, 0.8 nanograms per litre, so very noticeable. And New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc can have anywhere between 2 and 50 nanograms per litre. So giving you an idea that these aromas, which are quite perceptible to the human nose and palate, are very pronounced in New Zealand, but they're going to be there in other countries as well. They're not as high as New Zealand, because New Zealand really does practice machine harvesting, skin contact, and cultured yeasts. They really do want to exaggerate these styles of wine, and that's why New Zealand is so pungent. Other factors which contribute to the style of Sauvignon Blanc are methoxypyrazines, terpenes and esters. So these are all apparent in the development of Sauvignon Blanc. So there's a lot of kind of biological chemistry going on with Sauvignon Blanc that can be exaggerated in the vineyard through machine harvesting and in the winery through skin contact and yeast. So once one begins to um, consider Sauvignon Blanc more seriously than just a everyday glass of wine, you realize there's a lot going on to create Sauvignon Blanc and why there are different styles, even if they all have an overlap with those grassy herbaceous aromas. So let's look at the different regions in which Sauvignon Blanc is planted. And we go straight to the Loire Valley because this is probably the home of Sauvignon Blanc. In France in general, there's 27,000 hectares planted across the country. But Loire is really where it's most famous. And the concentration of plantings of Sauvignon Blanc are in the Touraine and then in the central region of Loire Valley, which is where Sancerre and Puy-Fumé are located, the two most famous appellations in the region for Sauvignon Blanc. So more of a continental climate because of its susceptibility to Botrytis. So Touraine is a fairly large region, about 3,000 hectares of plantings of Sauvignon Blanc there, and so surrounding the city of Tours. And this is going to be made into a fairly inexpensive but good quality style of Sauvignon Blanc, very representative of the Loire Valley, but not having the concentration or depth of the famous regions, but still very good value. Going further east, the Sancerre and Puy-Fumé, which lie on the opposite sides of the River Loire. Sancerre on the western side, Puy-Fumé on the eastern side. And Sancerre is around 3,000 hectares of plantings of Sauvignon Blanc, whereas Puy-Fumé is about half of that, 1,300 hectares. So some say are perhaps the more famous and certainly the bigger, and that of the two appellations, and that does create a greater range of wines which are made in Sancerre in terms of quality and style. And although Sancerre has such a strong association with Sauvignon Blanc, that is actually quite a recent development. Back in the 1960s, there were just 700 hectares of plantings of Sauvignon Blanc, so a quarter of what they are now. But in the 1960s, there was a trend to make Sauvignon Blanc in a really fresh, immediate, drink-now style, which became very popular in Paris, kind of the equivalent of Beaujolais Nouveau. But whereas Beaujolais Nouveau really hurt the reputation of Beaujolais eventually, Sancerre became very strongly associated with this really fresh, floral, herbaceous, grassy style, and it's still what we consider now. In Sancerre there are 14 uh, small villages which contribute to the appellation. And plantings are around uh, two to four hundred meters on south-facing slopes. A bit of variation in where grapes are planted, and there are three distinct areas. To the west, the soils are clay and limestone, with Kimmeridgian soils as well, and these create quite powerful wines. Between these western vineyards and the town of Sancerre itself, which lies on the river, is gravel and limestone soils for more delicate wines, and then. Near to Puyafume, which is on the other side of the river, there's silex soils, and silex is the French word for flint, and this is something strongly associated with Sauvignon Blanc from the Loire Valley, 
particularly from this part of Sancerre and Puy Fumé. And these are more substantial wines which can age for longer. There is a consideration that there is a strong association between the flint soils and the style of wine with aromas of gunflint. There's probably no direct correlation, but nevertheless there is that style of wine in these wines which is reflected in Puy Fumé, which is the other side of the river. And this is, as I said, smaller, so therefore more, more consistent in the style which is going to be really um, that mineral-driven, smoky flavours that you get with Puy Fumé. Of course, Fumé does mean smoked in French, which may have a correlation with the styles of the wines. And these wines are considered to be more age-worthy than Sancerre, and there has been some experimentation with oak to give the wines even more body and substance, though it's more likely to be old oak. So Didier Dagonot is a famous producer who died uh, 12 years ago, he used cigar-shaped oak barrels because he really believed that added to the texture and structure of the wine and made them longer-lived. And of course, his wines, and now made by his children, are some of the most expensive in the Loire Valley because they are considered to be extremely age-worthy. But if you're in a blind tasting, how do you distinguish Puy Fumé and Sancerre? Very, very difficult, especially if the wines are from the more easterly side of Sancerre, near the village, where it's very similar to Puy Fumé. But different soil types, maybe different elevation and aspect, can create wines which may be simple and youthful and fruity and fun, or wines which are actually very serious and age-worthy, and of course acidity comes into that as well. Then there are three other villages nearby which are less famous but still, I think, quite significant, particularly because they offer such good value. To the west of Sancerre is Mentu Salon which is very similar to the westerly side of Sancerre in terms of its style and soil types and structure. And it will be very similar, limestone soils, flatter vineyards, so a bit different in that aspect, but with that similar fruity, fresh aromatic that you would get with uh, most Sancerre for around about the third of the price or even half of the price. The best vineyards in Menetou Salon are around the village of Marogue, and one particular producer who is based in that village is Henri Pelle, which is worth looking out for. Then there is uh, Rui and Cancy. Cancy is a very historic region. In fact, in the 1950s, it was more famous than Sancerre. Sancerre went through that revolution in the 1960s, which really changed the style of the wines being made there. And in Cancy, it's growing again, partly because of that um, in global interest in Sauvignon Blanc. And the wines produced in Cancy are a little less delicate than Menetou Salon or Sancerre, but very similar in style and very approachable and drinkable. And fun fact, Cancy was the second appellation created in France after Chateauneuf-du-Pape, so given an idea of its historic importance. And then there's Roy, which is also small, and this is really getting into central France. Again, very good value alternative to Sancerre, around about 200 hectares of plantings, and the best wines come from limestone soils around the village. So limestone in all these villages is extremely important. But Roy is not an appellation you want to find too often, but it is growing. One of the great things about visiting uh, French wine regions is that you find these obscure villages that you learn about but never actually see. And then you go to a wine bar in a town like Tours and the wines are there by the glass and you get to taste them all. So locally very important, also going into Paris, which has always been an important market for the Loire Valley. But globally, Sancerre and Puy Femme are certainly the two most important and famous, and considered the highest quality. Moving away from the Loire Valley is Bordeaux. Back in the 1960s, there was more 
white grapes planted in Bordeaux than there were black grapes. And it was only in 1969 that black grapes overtook white grapes. Now, 90% of all Bordeaux are black grapes. And so it's changed completely over the last 50 years. So white wine, historically very important, and it is back on the increase. Plantings have risen, particularly of Sauvignon Blanc. And that's partly because producers realized they can actually make some pretty good white wine in Bordeaux. But there's a reason why it was historically important and that maybe they should return to some of those historic trends. But also because Sauvignon Blanc is so globally important and people will buy it, that there's a very good reason to plant Sauvignon Blanc because you're gonna sell it. And so there are different tiers of white wine in Bordeaux. Right in the center of Bordeaux of the region is Entre-de-Mer. So between the two rivers of the Dordogne and the Garonne. And this is a white wine only appellation. There's actually a lot of Merlot planted there, but the original appellation rules created in the 1930s were for white wine only because that was the most important style made in the region. And so it remains white wine only. But whereas in the 1960s, Semillon was the most planted grape variety in Bordeaux, now Sauvignon Blanc is the most important white grape because of international trends. And so the wines made in Entre-de-Mer are going to be very globally consistent with, with styles made from around the world. Slightly herbaceous, green, grassy, uh, tomato leaf aromas, no oak, all about the freshness of the wine. Drink now, inexpensive, good quality, but not exciting. Go across the river, Garonne, into Grave, and things get a bit more interesting because of those low fertile gravel soils, whereas Entre-de-Mer is a bit more clay-based, so more fertile, the wines have a bit more richness and depth to them. And there's a possibility that they might be blended with Semillon as well, which also gives a bit more weight. Within Grave, to the north of the region, is Pessac Lyonion. And these are the finest white wines of uh, Bordeaux, which will have much more Semillon in them. Semillon considered to be a weighty, heavier, uh, great, great variety, which has more complexity, whereas Sauvignon Blanc is about immediacy and freshness. But those two will be blended together, Sauvignon Blanc providing an important contribution to the blend. And in fact, I've tasted wines from Pessac Lyonian, which are quite Sauvignon Blanc heavy. So producers are working with it, maybe more than they used to, even for the really high quality wines. And these wines will go through malolactic fermentation and be aged in oak for a very rich, creamy, age-worthy style. And these styles of wine are mimicked by producers across the world in Napa Valley, Stellenbosch, Margaret River, and Australia, for example. But also in Bordeaux, there's Sautern and the other sweet wine regions of the region, which are all kind of, all kind of south of Bordeaux, around the Garonne, and also the River Siron. Confluence of those two rivers creates humid conditions, which is perfect for botrytis. And as mentioned, Sauvignon Blanc is susceptible to botrytis, and so it plays an important part in Sauterne and the other sweet wines made in Bordeaux. And so it's important for the freshness it brings to the blend, maintaining the high acidity and making the wine really approachable, whereas Semillon is a bit uh, fuller bodied, but it's also important because it does develop botrytis and therefore the wine will be sweet, concentrating those sugars. So it's not just for aromatics, it's not just for freshness, it's all about also about structure, sweetness, and the style of the wine. So very important. And there's around about 7,000 hectares of Sauvignon Blanc planted in Bordeaux. And then, as ever, when considering Bordeaux, there's neighbouring Bergerac, which is further inland, where Sauvignon Blanc is also planted to make similar styles of wine, both dry and sweet, at better prices, but slightly warmer, and arguably a bit less concentrated. 
Also in France, in Languedoc, there's 7,500 hectares planted, so actually more than there is in Bordeaux, but this is generally going to be for quite generic white wine, supermarket wine or airplane wine, or just to be added to blends. Sauvignon Blanc in Languedoc, although it's relatively widely planted, isn't necessarily the most important or exciting style of Sauvignon Blanc or any other white wine in the Languedoc. Just sticking to Europe briefly, there's Italy, where there's 3,400 3, hectares planted of Sauvignon Blanc, and where it's most important is in the northern part of the country, in Alto Adige, and also in Friuli. Not that important, but you may see some Sauvignon Blanc from those regions, which are produced in a little bit of a fuller style than you would find from the Loire, but not as rich as Bordeaux, maintaining the herbaceous aromas, but with, uh, with fresh acidity. And these wines can be quite fun and just a little bit weightier than we expect from Sauvignon Blanc and therefore quite enjoyable. And the Sauvignon Blanc planted all around Europe and pretty much every winemaking country there is Sauvignon Blanc, but not necessarily going to find it that much outside of the growing regions. So we of course now have to go to New Zealand, leaving Europe, where there are 18,000 hectares of Sauvignon Blanc planted, 16,000 of which are in Marlborough. So New Zealand is one of the youngest wine producing countries in the world, but now is very successful and that success has been driven by Sauvignon Blanc. So the grape was first planted in the late 1960s um, around Auckland, and then in the mid-early 70s it was planted in Marlborough, and these were the first plantings on the South Island of New Zealand. And the general consensus was that that was a crazy idea, it was too cool to grow grapes on the South Island. But nevertheless, that experimentation took place. And by the late 80s, it had become a bit of a craze because of the success of Cloudy Bay. And in many ways, the style of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc was accidental because of machine harvesting, because of that skin contact in transporting the grapes from the vineyard to the winery. That really aromatic, herbaceous, pungent style of wine developed without uh, producers actually encouraging it at first. But as, th as they've begun to learn about why New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is so pungent because of the um, release of those theols, that has been encouraged. So maintaining machine harvesting, having skin contact, and then developing yeast, which will uh, release those theols as well. Of course, the style and reputation of New Zealand is both a bonus and a curse. Everyone knows what it tastes like. It's very, very popular. But at the same time, it receives a backlash because it seems fairly obvious and not very subtle. We in the wine industry have been predicting the decline of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc for yet many years, but it's never actually happened. You would think people would get tired of it, but they don't. But New Zealand producers are aware of this, and so they have they have backup plans. And so some producers are making Sauvignon Blanc with indigenous yeasts rather than cultured yeasts. And so this just slows down the fermentation and discourages the release of those theols. It's a bit more of a subtle, less aggressive style of Sauvignon Blanc. So having an alternative to the, what's become the traditional accepted style of Sauvignon Blanc, or of course using different grape varieties like Pinot Gris, or diversifying into red wine like Pinot Noir, just to show that New Zealand isn't just Sauvignon Blanc. But plantings dominate. Around two-thirds of New Zealand is planted to Sauvignon Blanc, with a great concentration in Marlborough. And this is a universally accepted and understood style of wine, which is why it's so popular and successful. And many producers in the New World do um, imitate the styles of wine made in New Zealand, for example in South Africa or Chile, and sometimes in California as well. And also in Australia, which is a country not really associated with Sauvignon Blanc, it's about 6,500 hectares planted, 
which isn't that much. The best ones come from Adelaide Hills, but a lot of the Sauvignon Blanc is made in that New Zealand style because Australia is actually where the New Zealand style first became popular and the success of New Zealand was built on its sales in Australia. So many producers will make the wines in a similar way because that's what's most popular. In South Africa, there's about 9,000 hectares and this will often be made in a New Zealand style, so floral, herbaceous, grassy, really emphasizing the vegetal nature of Sauvignon Blanc. The best ones come from Walker Bay, which is on the southern tip of the continent. Uh, so the cooling influence really maintains the high acidity. Also in uh, Constantia, which is just south of Cape Town. So that really gets the winds and the coastal influence, which really, really, really maintains the freshness of the wines and ensures that they're not too ripe and not too pungent in their aromatics, but various styles according to quality, whether it's just a kind of a, a supermarket wine or something that's aiming for a bit higher. Likewise in Chile, where there's about 8,000 hectares of plantings, as with the Carmenere and Merlot, a lot of confusion about Sauvignon Blanc and what is Sauvignon Blanc and what isn't. And so it was often confused with a grape called Sauvignas, which is called Frulano in Fruli in northeast Italy. And so a lot of the Sauvignon Blanc planted in Chile may actually be Sauvignas, which is a bit heavier and a bit weightier than Sauvignon Blanc itself. And so it's difficult to market wines when you don't actually know what the grape variety is. But those quality producers that do know what they're working with are largely based in um, Casablanca, San Antonio and Leda, which are all right next to each other on the Pacific Ocean. It's a strong cooling influence. And Casablanca is perhaps the first region I visited where I truly understood the diversity of Sauvignon Blanc, that it really does change in its profile according to where it's planted. And although Casablanca is quite a small region, the different levels of elevation of Casablanca really do change the style of Sauvignon Blanc. So richer and more tropical further down, where it's a little bit warmer, and then getting much leaner and more citrus and apple driven as you get higher up and then in the middle somewhere in between and so the fruit profile and the acidity really does change according to elevation in Casablanca giving an indication that Sauvignon Blanc really does vary even in quite a small space and then finally there's California and uh, California became famous for its style of Sauvignon Blanc back in the 1960s with Fumé Blanc so one of the um, alternative names for Sauvignon Blanc in Loire Valley is Blanc Fumé and in, back in the 1950s, the owner of Dry Creek Vineyard um, here in Sonoma County came up with the term with Fumé Blanc as a way of um, marketing Sauvignon Blanc as a style of wine without people actually knowing probably what Sauvignon Blanc was. This is a style, a marketing term. And this was uh, picked up by Robert Mondavi, who really made it famous. And there are still a number of producers who make Fumé Blanc. And the idea here is that this is going to be a richer, oakier, style of wine, more akin to Chardonnay perhaps, which would fit in with the trends of 1960s and 1970s, where people would expect some richness and fruitiness to their wines, rather than the really kind of lean, grassy, herbaceous style that we now associate with Sauvignon Blanc. So Fumé Blanc's a bit of a weird style because it really does taste like Sauvignon Blanc, but quite rich and full. And that's why not many producers make it anymore. It doesn't really fit into any particular category. In Napa, there's plenty of uh, Bordeaux-style blends made with Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon, which are very high quality, often expensive. Not that much of, of them made, but in the um, Bordeaux style. And the one thing that does distinguish uh, California Sauvignon Blanc is the Sauvignon Muscat clone, which is um, called Clone 27. 
this is a clone of Sauvignon Blanc, even though it has a slightly different name, which is more floral, more aromatic, and more even more expressive. So it's like Sauvignon Blanc plus, a bit more grapey. And so quite a few producers use this in blends to enhance the aromatics of their Sauvignon Blanc-based wines and to differentiate them from Sauvignon Blanc made across the world. So that's Sauvignon Blanc made in many different regions and a much more diverse and varied grape variety than I think its reputation suggests. So the different appellations of the Loire Valley with slightly different expressions in a cooler climate, different styles in Bordeaux from basic, inexpensive to really rich, profound wines to the sweet wines. And then we have the New Zealand pungent style and then New World countries making their wines sometimes influenced by New Zealand, sometimes influenced by Loire, sometimes influenced by Bordeaux, and sometimes just doing their own thing completely. So Sauvignon Blanc, a much more interesting grape than I initially gave it credit for when I first got into wine. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you.